0: to episode 91 of the various and sundry podcast. I am your host Matt Harmon, joined live from the vault studio in the beautiful campus of Grace College Theological Seminary by my good friend, my colleague, my co-host and the man who is ready to abandon hope on the Jets season. John Scott Sloat.
1: I don't know about that. I mean, I mean, I don't know that I had hopes that they would make the playoffs <laughs> okay. or anything. But but I it's bad. Yeah. It's, it's real bad.
0: Yeah, and we'll get into that uh, in, in in a moment. But uh, I mean, we we have breaking news on our studio here.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Do you wanna? Do you wanna? Uh, I think you should do the honors. Well, we got a new door. Yes. So the vault door itself is gone. The big metal contraption with yeah. the actual combination lock on it is yeah. gone. Yeah. And we have a regular human door.
0: We do, and it has a, it has a a little window in it. Yeah, so people won't interrupt us anymore. Yeah, though, can they actually see us from that window? I think they can see me. Okay. Or at least my back. Okay. And we do st- and we do have the new feature of the uh, on-air light. Yeah. Yeah, that, that should help
1: let people know that we're on air.
0: Theoretically. Theoretically should, yes. Or we're on air. We're recording so that you can listen to this later at your leisure. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, <clears throat> speaking of your leisure, if in your leisure you would like to connect with the podcast, you can find us on Twitter at VNSPod. You can email the show, variousandsundrypodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook and on YouTube. Just search for Various and Sundry Podcast and you will find it. And we did not have any new reviews this Mm -hmm. week. We did have one last week that – you kind of trashed the listener who gave that review.
1: Yeah, we still don't know who it is. They we don't. We have, they haven't shown their face. But
0: I, I, I have to think that that probably doesn't encourage others to <laughs> go ahead and, and leave a review. But in any case, all right, John, let's let's give you a cathartic moment to work through what's going on with your beloved J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets.
1: Yeah, uh, they can protect their new quarterback. So I think Von Miller had – two and a half sacks in the first half mm-hmm. um against the Jets uh Zach Wilson threw two interceptions but who can blame him when he's getting you know I think he they had like ten quarterback hits and four sacks or something like that yeah in the game and uh you know that's just not a that's not a recipe for success so yeah yeah I I don't, I don't know what else to say the defenses looked okay-hmm um they're just on the field too much yeah so yeah I think that's uh that's that's about all all the update that I have in me, you know. A uh, lot of excuses being made right now, and they yeah. keep talking about the good practices they're having, and yeah, but not the O
0: line apparently. Apparently so. not. Yes. Well, speaking of rookie quarterbacks who aren't being protected, Justin Fields made his oh yeah first NFL start, and um, I think he had one completion in the first half. It was it was ugly, and. I'm not trying to absolve all of the responsibility from Justin Fields. Sure. But his offensive line was atrocious. I think the Browns had it was like 9 or 10 sacks. Hmm. And the number of times where Fields would take the snap and there was a free rusher. Like a defensive lineman, not not, not like a blitzing linebacker or no, a corner sure. where you're like, "Well, that's by design. They leave that guy, you know, Fields has to read that." Nope. Here comes Miles Garrett, unblocked, <laughs> the best defensive lineman on the Browns. Let's leave him unblocked. One of the best in the league. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. So it was it was open season on poor Justin Fields, and uh, I'm not a Bears fan, but uh, I do I do have you know see plenty of Bears fans on Twitter, and it felt like most of the blame. Fell on the offensive line and on the coach, Matt Nagy. I hear they're calling for his headed in Chicago. Yeah. And I think there's probably a fair – like it did seem like – are you not capable of calling plays, one, that can actually protect your quarterback? But then two, even when he did have time, receivers weren't open. Yeah. Like it's not like he was missing – there was maybe one one play where he missed a guy that was open where you're like, I should have hit that. But every quarterback – even Tom Brady if you went back and watched the film every game's going to have one or two of those where it's like oh he actually missed an open guy there it happens but um i think there's a a growing uh, unrest towards Matt Nagy almost wondering like is he either incapable of calling plays that fit Justin Fields skill set or is he intentionally like not calling plays which that seems dumb like that seems coaches want to win yeah. they 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 don't keep their jobs if they don't win
1: well and it seems to be his head on the chopping block right now, right? It's either yeah. the general manager, the coach, or the quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. One of those three guys has their yeah. head on the chopping block. And in Chicago right now, it looks like Matt Nagy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Other, who's, who's supposed to be an offensive genius. I know. I know. But they really don't have – they have Allen Robinson who's a pretty good receiver. But, yeah. but not a like – he's not one of those guys who are like – he's one of the five best wide receivers sure. in the – in the NFL. He's He's not. He's very good. He's very good. Mm -hmm. But he's sort of one of those borderline, like, if he's your best receiver, mm, I don't know how good your wide receiving core is. Sure. Now, if he was your two or your three, you'd be like, we're pretty good here, I think. Yeah. So in any case, uh, big news made in the kicking game this weekend. Yeah. Justin Tucker hit a, was it 66? 66. Uh, To win it. Yes, so that set an NFL record. Uh breaking the hearts of Lions fans. Did you see the the screen capture of when the ball's go when the ball goes to the uprights and you see all of the t- Detroit fans behind there doing the surrender cobra. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, he hit that thing and it it hit the crossbar and bounced up pretty high in the air and went over. And so just trickled over. Yeah. 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 So an NFL record, 66-yard field. And I think the previous was 63. Is that right? It might have been longer than that. So remember Jason Elam had
1: one that was 63 in Denver. Right. High altitude. High altitude, So you yeah. kind of
0: look at that and go, well, mm-hmm. does that add a yard or two maybe? But um, 66 in Detroit. Yeah. Not exactly high altitude in Detroit. Maybe the opposite of high altitude. <laughs> so that was impressive. Uh, yeah, Justin Tucker's just—he's a beast. Yeah. When it comes to the kicker, present-day kickers, I mean, he's—he's now—he's he's very, one of very them, good. I think you can make the case he's one of the best kickers mm-hmm. I think in league fair. history. Yes, top ten, probably at least. At,
1: at least, probably top five. Yeah, yeah. he's very, very good.
0: Um, and then the other sort of fluke play of the weekend for uh, NFL was the was the Jags Cardinals game, where. The kicker for the Cardinals at the end of the first half attempted a 68-yard field goal that a Jags player caught nine yards deep in the end zone and ran back for a touchdown. Yeah, 109 yards. Yeah. So, I mean, that that is by definition the longest play in NFL mm-hmm. history. There's been like two others I think. That yep. I think one was an interception return and one might be a kickoff return. Yep, yep. So, very,
1: very interesting. Yeah. Uh, it was a very interesting weekend of football.
0: Unusual sorts of events like that. But we should probably move on to the uh, college ranks, yeah?
1: Yeah, yeah. Let's do it. How did the Buckeyes do this weekend?
0: Uh, they took care of business after a very slow start. They won 59-7 to over an absolutely atrocious Akron team.
1: How close was the score other than 0-0 or 7-0? Did it so ever Akron scored first.
0: <laughs> did they really? They did. Oh, they my did. gosh. And um, with like <laughs> – Oh, my. Uh, I mean with with like two minutes left in the first quarter, a score was 7-7. Then Ohio State scored and then I think they scored um, – the halftime score was 38-7. So okay. they had a big second quarter. Any defensive touchdowns for the Bucks? Yes. It was a pick six. OK. Yeah. Defense? They looked better. But it's Akron. It's, yeah. They're terrible. I mean they're yeah. terrible. So I don't know. I mean it did look like they were actually lined up in the places where they were supposed to be. But, you know, it's Akron. Yeah. So I don't want to read too much into that. Uh, and they they played with – Ohio State played without their starting quarterback. They're arresting him because of a shoulder injury. Like he could have gone but it was smart to rest him. But isn't their backup a five-star? Yeah. Okay. Yep, Kyle McCord, who his first series was epically bad. Um, get the jitters out, you know. <laughs> there were some serious <laughs> jitters though. <laughs> I mean, I think he his first pass was way overthrown. Okay. Then his second pass actually was a it was supposed to be a wide receiver bubble screen kind of thing. He threw it backwards, so that goes down as a fumble. Lost like 6 yards. Thankfully it went out of bounds. Okay. And then he got sacked on third and whatever. So not, not a good first. series. No, he no. did rally though, but even his numbers are a little deceptive because I mean, he threw for over 300 yards, but I, I'd be curious to go back of that 300 plus yards. I'd imagine that maybe, maybe no more than a hundred of it was like actual yardage in the air. Mm-hmm. And the other 200 plus was guys catching a pass eight yards Downfield and then running for another forty. Okay, so hmm. you know it, th- sometimes those big numbers can be a little deceptive. Where you are like, wow, he threw for three hundred yards. Well, he threw it to great playmakers five yards down the field, and they ran for forty. Like there was there was one pass that went for eighty five yards, and I think it was a a seven yard out or something like that. That the receiver made a move and then just took off. Yeah, you know. So uh, so they play Rutgers next week. Who uh, gave Michigan a bit of a a test, but ultimately fell short. Hmm. Um, Bigger news, Clemson lost. To NC State. NC State in overtime. Um, They're hanging on by a thread to the top 25. And um, Oklahoma barely survived West Virginia, unranked West Virginia. Beat them by three at home on a field goal at the – like as time expired. 16-13. Hmm. So yes. they're not exactly like lighting it up. Either. That's not good. Yeah. yeah. Oklahoma is in trouble. And then Notre Dame. Now here's here's where we're going to – or I'm going to gonna upset our some of our fan base here because – You're going to upset one person. Maybe. <laughs> um, the final score against Wisconsin was I think 41-13. to Still so you can go – it was a blowout, right? It's a pretty good route. Yeah. That would be a little misleading. Because that was a one-score game well into the fourth quarter. Then Notre Dame scored, and then uh, to go up two scores. So the game's still in play a little bit, not mm-hmm. dangerous, but in play. The Wisconsin quarterback throws two bad pick sixes on almost back-to-back plays. So it goes from a like two-score game to a four-score game in like thirty seconds. So. So, so not as close as Uh, yeah, yeah. and they. I think it's Cincinnati is uh, is, they play Cincinnati this upcoming week, and I think Cincinnati is a better team,
1: better than Wisconsin.
0: Yes, Hmm. yeah, yeah. So we'll see about that. Um, And yeah, I think that's about it on college football. Uh, Is the baseball season over? I've lost track. It's got to be close, right? Yeah, we got a couple series. The Mets have a couple series left. One at,
1: I want to say, well, I think they're, I think they're. I think Atlanta's in town for the, for the last series.
0: Now, I know I'm 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 asking a risky question to you. Are they mathematically eliminated? <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been a few days they've been. Okay. Math, okay. Mathematically it's eliminated. It's good that, that we're not relying on you to actually no. figure out. You just have to go look up are they mathematically eliminated? Yeah, they're gone. They're gone. Yeah. I think there's like
1: four or five games left in the season. There's there's not many left. I think this is the last okay. week.
0: Yeah. So,
1: yeah, they're they're donezo. Okay. All right. So and, and heads are rolling. That's that's kind of the time to
0: clean house a little bit. I
1: think so. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well. Spend the money. Yeah. Use it up, man. And they got plenty of it, apparently. Yeah, the owner's a multi-billionaire. Yes.
1: Yes, yes. He's a shady hedge fund manager.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: Let's put it this way: It was between him and A Rod, and A Rod was the ethical choice.
0: <laughs> oh, God. Indeed. Oh, gosh, that's funny. That's funny. Well, we are uh, continuing today our series on the parables. We kind of introduced last week what Mm -hmm. are the parables, which we keep in mind as we read them, interpret them, etc. This week we're going to do our uh, discussion on the parable of the sower and the soils. This is a parable that – occurs in all three of the Synoptic Gospels, Mm -hmm. Matthew, Mark, and Luke.
1: And we're working through Mark's today, right? Yeah,
0: we're just going to go with Mark. Um, Matthew and Mark's accounts are very similar. Luke's is a little shorter, but there's no, like, substantial difference in Mm -hmm. terms of meaning. So uh, just for the sake of convenience, we're going to read through uh, Mark. So you want to light us up here and – Read through it? You're, yeah, yeah. You're to split it? I mean, it's 20 verses. I don't know.
1: I, I can handle 20 verses, I think. We'll, we'll, we'll see. Uh, but Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so, uh, so let's get started. Uh, Mark chapter 4, uh, verse 1. Again, he uh, began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered around him. Uh, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea, on the land, and he was teaching them many things in parables. In in his teaching, he said to them, "Listen. A sower went out to sow. Uh, and as he sowed, uh, some of the seed fell among uh, along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on the rocky ground, uh, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up." Uh, since it had uh, no depth of soil, and when the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no, no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seed fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing uh, and yielding thirty and sixty and a fold. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, uh, those with him, uh, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parables. And he said to them, to you has been given the secrets of the kingdom of God. uh, But for those outside, everything is in parables so that they may indeed see, but not perceive. And they may indeed hear. And these are the ones uh, sown on rocky ground, uh, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and they have no root in themselves, uh, but endure for a while, and then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among the thorns, and they are those who hear the word But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of the riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold.
0: Okay. Thank you, sir. No problem. Okay. So let's. Um, I'm just going to start with big picture observations from the uh, from the parable. I, I think uh, context is always a good a good thing to pay attention to when it comes to the parables. And in all three of the synoptic gospels, um, it it seems like this parable comes on the heels of growing opposition hmm. to Jesus and his ministry. So I think that in some ways kind of sets a little bit of the, of the framework for why is Jesus telling this parable. I think part of why he's telling it is to help us understand the varying responses to his ministry. Why isn't everyone just like really excited and yeah. fully embracing what Jesus is
1: saying? Was there, was there the expectation then that, that the Messiah's ministry would be widely accepted throughout uh, certainly Israel?
0: I I think I think there was the the pretty wide expectation that it would be easy to recognize the Messiah mm-hmm. and that people would recognize him and and fall in line with him. Hmm. But of course, Jesus isn't doing the kinds of things that the average Israelite was expecting as a sort of telltale. Like he he showed no interest in the sort of military and political. Aspects of any sort of messianic ministry. Hmm. And I think that uh, confused people as well as even just his interaction with some of the religious leaders. You know, The religious leaders, as they see Jesus doing things, he's doing things that don't fit with their paradigms and their expectations. And hmm. that also is like, well, how can this guy be the Messiah? Like he's not, he, he doesn't listen to us. He doesn't follow our... Sort of extended traditions about the mosaic law and hmm. Sabbath and food laws and all that kind of stuff. Like, how how can this be the guy? So uh,
1: it seems to be that this is paradigmatic for our own ministries, right? That that I mean, if I can make a big picture observation, mm-hmm. that when we preach the gospel, uh,
0: this is kind of what happens. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think so. I think that's absolutely the case, and I think this uh, Jesus Himself signals. The importance of this parable when – this is in Mark chapter 4, verse 13. He says, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? That seems to be an indication that this parable is paradigmatic. It's a Mm – this is the key. You have to get this one before you understand the rest of them. Which I also think helps explain why Jesus goes out of his way to uh, give detailed correspondences. Mm-hmm. Where in some of the other parables – in most of the other parables, he does not go out of his way to, to give every little like, oh, this represents the father. This represents like – Sure. And in mo- in most of them he doesn't Most give of them he doesn't give that kind details. of detail. Yeah. yeah. But here he does. Uh, he, he gives very clear explanations of this kind of seed that falls in this soil represents this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that further illuminates the importance of this parable. It's as if Jesus is saying, I'm not going to leave this one to, to chance here. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make it clear. So um, I I also think that uh, one of the you – know, there's a lot of – Pieces in this puzzle, in this puzzle of this, of this parable, but wouldn't you say that probably the the most um, unusual, or maybe even just the most not controversial, but maybe controversial piece of it is Jesus' explanation for why he teaches in parables. Wouldn't you say that's probably the most? Uh, yes, I, th- I think
1: that's probably <laughs> the most controversial. Even reading it, I was like, oh ooh, that that's yeah. that that
0: feels different, yeah, yeah. and in particular, again, when you look at verse um that's verse eleven to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside everything is in parables, so that, and then there's sort of a paraphrase of Isaiah six mm-hmm. verses nine and ten. They may indeed see but not perceive and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. So you could read that and go, so wait a minute. Jesus is intentionally hiding the message of the kingdom so that people don't repent. Right. That seems to be the surface reading. That would seem to be a quick glance like, is he really saying that? Mm -hmm. And I would suggest the answer is actually, no, he's not saying that. Well, then what is he saying, in that? So I think um, part of it is rooted in the, um, the allusion to Isaiah 6. Hmm. Most people are probably familiar with Isaiah 6 for the first part of the chapter. It's the classic um, Isaiah has a vision of God in his throne room. Sure. Woe is me. Here's the coal. Here's the coal. Yep. He's cleansed. And then God says, "Who will go for us?" And Isaiah says, "Here am I. Send me." Mm-hmm. And it's as if most people just kind of end the chapter there. That's heartwarming. Yes, yeah, like yeah. yes, Isaiah, such a model of 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 missionary you know zeal. Like I will go for the Lord. Yeah. And then we we stop there, and we don't read the rest of the chapter because the rest of the chapter verses 9 and 10 included, which is what Jesus quotes here essentially, mm-hmm. is God saying, okay, so I'm going to send you out and you're going to see very little fruit in your ministry. And actually, I am going to use your words to harden people in their rebellion. Yeah. And therefore on judgment day, when I condemn them, there will be no doubt that they had no excuse. Mm-hmm. We don't typically read that part of it, you know. I'm guessing, uh, you know, even even yesterday in church, we kind of commissioned uh, a couple going off to the mission field. Yeah. And we didn't read Isaiah 6, you know. But, you know, can, can you imagine if— that,
1: we, That's not a typical missionary send-off passage. Right. But you can know? you
0: imagine if we'd said, we're so thrilled you're going. Now, we believe that when you're going off, you're going to see almost no fruit. Mm-hmm. And— God is going to use your ministry primarily so that there is no excuse on judgment day when people say nope, – so that people cannot say, we never heard the good news. That's the primary purpose of what you're going to do. That, that's not the most like chipper send-off <laughs> yeah. kind, of, kind of message.
1: Yeah. No, they don't tell you that when you walk into seminary. That's not, no. the, that's not, the, first, that's no. not the
0: first word. Yeah. No. So back to the passage here though. What is Jesus doing? I think what Jesus is indicating is that parables are more like thermostats than they are thermometers. Okay. Here's what I mean by that.
1: Yes, yes. Please explain your (laughs) illustration. Like I I understand the difference between those two things.
0: Right. So a thermostat, you have that in your house. Sure. You determine the – the temperature in your house. You mm-hmm. know, if you want it to be sixty-eight degrees, you set it to sixty-eight. Furnace kicks in, and it does its work. Sure. And if you have a good furnace, that gets you to sixty-eight. Okay. Uh, a thermometer only reveals what the temperature is. Mm-hmm. So when you're feeling a little bit feverish, you put the thermometer in your mouth, and it tells you your temperature is one hundred one point six. Oh, okay. The thermometer doesn't cause the Mm -hmm. temperature. It just reveals what it is. That's what parables are like. Parables reveal the condition of a person's heart as it stands. So that if people are receptive to the gospel message, they show interest, they hear it, they have ears to hear, Mm -hmm. and then they listen and they believe and they produce fruit. Mm -hmm. But if they don't, if they are hardened soil— they don't hear. They don't respond. They don't yep. believe. So the parable itself is not causing the message to be not heard or not understood. It's not a thermostat. Exactly. It's a thermometer. Mm-hmm. It's revealing the preexisting temperature, the spiritual temperature, the condition of the soil of that mm. person. Interesting. So I think that's – I mean that's a somewhat simplified version. That's the punchline of what I think Jesus is saying here. Yeah. No, that's good. So um, another another piece that I think people can kind of get uh, worked up over is um, what do we make of these different kinds of soils? Meaning uh, oftentimes this is kind of a theological question, which I'll preface by saying – the point of the parable is not to answer this question. Sure. Some people are like so. Um, are any of these people actually converted before? Like, obviously, the last person you know, the the seed that falls on the good yeah. soil and produces thirty fold, sixty fold, a hundred fold. Obviously, that person has been genuinely converted. But for example, what about the the, the soil before that? Right, the one who. Um, It's sown among thorns. They hear the word, the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches and desires for other things enter in, choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. Mm -hmm. That's often the one that people are like, well, does that mean that that person is converted and just unfruitful? Or are they not actually converted because um, they don't bear fruit? What do you think? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think I would be
1: you know a- anytime anybody goes like well what do you think of so and so are they they a Christian I was like that's not really for me to determine you know you know I'm not sure that I have a I have a role in making that determination mm-hmm. whatsoever you know um, I think I think the optimist in me wants to go I hope so um, is, is that a fair response or do you do you see that so, as, as as weak a- 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 am I weak Matt
0: <laughs> <laughs> Well... Um, I think it's fair to say I hope so. But here, here's the uh, – Let me put it this way.
1: I don't have any assurance. How's that?
0: Yes. I, I would be I, – I think that is the wisest pastoral answer mm-hmm. is to say I'm not sure, but I certainly wouldn't want to be in that spot. Yeah. And if that's – if I'm talking to someone who thinks they're in that spot – I would want to push much further in terms of the you know do you genuinely believe in Christ has sure. there you know is there maybe fruit in your life that you don't recognize or can mm-hmm. other people observe and say yeah you know they may not they may have questions about their salvation but I've seen God at work in their lives and I have good confidence that that's fruit um but uh I I would be I would certainly not want to give any measure of assurance to a person in that spot who there's no no evidence of fruit. Then I'd want, especially over a period of extended period of time. Sure, you know, there's, there's always seasons
1: of fruitlessness or, or, sure. or struggle. But you're right. You're right. Over over time, you want to see exactly want to see fruit.
0: Exactly, and I think um, sometimes people can ask that question, and it can be a bit of a smokescreen or just a detour to. The point that Jesus is making is that the way to respond to the message of the kingdom is to receive it, believe it, and then to produce fruit. Mm -hmm. And if that's not happening, then there's something wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's that's how I'd want to probably handle that kind of question there. It's okay to say – I don't think the parable intends to answer that question. Mm-hmm. That's how I would start any answer to that kind of question, to say, let's just be clear. I don't think the parable is trying to answer that question. Now, if we want to try to extrapolate from other texts and put together some sort of answer, that's fine. As long as we're clear that Jesus isn't telling the parable hmm. to explain is that third category of soil, are they actually converted or not? Yeah, That's not why he's telling the
1: parable. And he's telling the he's. Correct me if I'm wrong he's telling that that example is like this is not ideal yeah the, this this yeah. is not what we want to shoot for correct, this is not the goal correct
0: you know another facet of this parable that I think is not as often talked about is that um, and I'm not sure entirely what to do with this piece mm-hmm. of the, of the parable in the old Testament. There were uh, a number of prophetic passages that that use the language of sowing to refer to God sowing his people into the land as an image of restoration from exile. Hmm. So I think there could be some of that element here. Now, someone like N.T. Wright goes – way too far with this. It basically says, well, that's what the parable is about. It's about, this is restoration from exile. This is Israel being restored to, from exile, mm-hmm. which in his mind is what every parable is about at some yeah. level. So, um, but I do think based, in, based on some of the language from the Old Testament, how often God says, I will sow them back into the land. It does make me wonder if there's some element of that here in this parable. Some illusion or... Yeah, that 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 is a – that there is a sense in which that is true, that this is what God is doing. This Mm -hmm. is what God is doing, but that's not the focus of what he's – like this is an individual call to hear the message. Let the one who has ears to hear, let him hear. Mm -hmm. It's not – Jesus is not just saying, yep, restoration from exile is here, everybody. God's sowing people back into the land that's more of an ex that like that's a larger theological explanation but it's not the point of mm-hmm. what Jesus is getting at he's saying let the one who has ears to hear let him hear be that kind of soil that hears the word receives it believes it and produces fruit mm-hmm. so i think that's what's going on there
1: um maybe just one more point uh, what do you make of the extended description of his teaching uh, of like how he's Teaching, like they they. At the spend beginning the, for, of chapter four. Yeah, they spend goodness. Uh, Mark spends two two full verses there, and verse one's quite long, about the location of his teaching, like climbing into a boat, having people on this on the shores, and 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 teaching out. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you make of that? Any significance there, um, other than Jesus was,
0: you know, this is just what happened. Mm-hmm. I think that it is part of – and that I, if I remember correctly, that specific extensive description is unique to Mark's version of it. Hmm. So I think Mark is highlighting the growing um, reach and scope of Jesus' ministry. And if you look in, in – I mean the previous passage is very interesting because in Mark's gospel, the story right before this is of – Jesus' mother and brothers trying to get an audience with Jesus and him basically saying, you know who my mother and brothers are? It's the one who hears the word of God or does the will of God. That's Hmm. my mother and my sister and my brother. Like – so I think that it is showing the – the growing popularity of Jesus and how his ministry is taking off and it is causing division hmm. even in his family that there's this because you don't necessarily see why they want to get to talk to him but other accounts suggest perhaps that uh, they think he might have lost his mind hmm. and so it's you know you're seeing this division that the, that the kingdom is producing, the kingdom is broken in in Jesus and now you're seeing uh how do we account for these different responses? Even from Jesus' own family, there's yeah. this like, what do we make of this? He's gone a little nuts. Maybe we need to rein him in a little bit. So, and of course, you know, knowing historically that none of his brothers appear to have been followers of his until either late, late, late in his earthly ministry or after his resurrection. Mm-hmm. There's some debate about that. So, in any case, um, anything else you want to no, you want to no highlight okay. on this I think that was it yeah I think you yeah, know this is one of those parables where it's always good to sort of reflect on um, as we think about communicating the gospel I mean obviously the point is about Jesus preaching the gospel but how does Jesus do that today he does that through his people yeah so even as we communicate the gospel we should expect these varying kinds of responses and we should also pray for God to prepare the soil so that the soil of the person's heart and life that the Seed of of his word is falling on, is receptive, mm-hmm. and so prayer I think plays a uh, an important role in that as well. Nothing worse than hard clay
1: soil, <laughs>
0: spoken like a man trying to grow grass. Mm-hmm. Nothing worse. Yes, yes, indeed. Well, we are on episode ninety one. So, John, we need an athlete. What do what do you got? Yeah, um,
1: number ninety one, um, Dennis Rodman. Yes. Uh. Famous Dennis Rodman, wild Dennis Rodman.
0: Um, Have you seen the? Uh, well, even I mean, there was a big piece of it in the uh, uh, the Last Dance, the ESPN Thirty for Thirty series mm-hmm. they did, where maybe there was even a whole episode in there on just the craziness of Dennis Rodman.
1: They, there was certainly an extended section of one <laughs> of the episodes for sure.
0: Yeah, so he wore um, ninety one, I believe, with the Bulls. Oh, really? Yeah.
1: What an aggressive number for a basketball player to wear, yeah. you know?
0: Yeah. I, I guess I could have done a little bit more research as to why he chose 91. If anybody knows, who knows?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, and we do have an issue with Dennis Rodman. Yeah. We've picked him already. We've picked him already. For
0: number 73.
1: Um, also another great number for a basketball player. Which
0: – I that was with the Lakers, wasn't it?
1: I have no idea.
0: I think that was his number with the Lakers.
1: But I, I mean, he he had more than one hair color, so I suppose we could pick. Anyway, we're we're probably not going to pick him. Um, Kevin Green, yes, played defensive end, yeah, uh, for uh, the Panthers and the Steelers and the mostly. Steelers mostly. Yep, and oh, Packers Rams.
0: Yeah, but he, he was mostly known for his time with the Steelers. I think uh, pretty dominant defensive end. Probably just a little bit before your time when it comes to before my full awareness yeah. of NFL football. Yeah,
1: um, I think my first like NFL season that I remember watching was the Jets going to the AFC Championship game in '98. Okay, so that's probably the first one I really remember, and we lost to uh, John Elway. There you and, go, and the Broncos. Um, okay. Sergey Fedorov,
0: a good American name there. <laughs> Yes. Uh, again, another one of these hockey players that you're like, how does he play? How do they play that long? Yeah. I, well, I was
1: – when I was young, I watched a lot of hockey and I, I, I Federov was a good player, Sergey.
0: Yeah. Though um, – yeah. I, again, me not being a, a hockey person, I, 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 I'm hard-pressed to evaluate that. So.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, he The Red Wings were a very good team. Through, I do remember the 90s them in the being 2000s. Yeah. Good in the 90s, yes. Yeah. They're a very very good team.
0: Weren't they in the Colorado Avalanche?
1: Oh yeah, them in the Colorado kind Avalanche. Big rivalry would, would go back out and forth. With yeah. With Patrick Wah? Yeah, spelled Roy, R O
0: Y. Patrick Waugh. Yeah. yeah. Hockey's got plenty of those names. Like there was uh, uh, what is it? Satan? Yes, Satan. Yes. whose last name was spelled Satan. S a t a n. So it just looks weird to have on the back of a jersey. Well, there's yes. Satan.
1: Yes. Um, my favorite named hockey player. I don't know if I ever brought this up before on the uh, on the pod, but he was a defenseman uh, for the New York Rangers back in the day, and he was just, I mean just a behemoth of a man, like like six four two sixty. I mean just mm. a big guy. His last name for a defenseman. Buka boom. <laughs>
0: That's good. That's Buka good. Buka boom. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: OK. Uh, Ryan Kerrigan. Yes. Uh, cur- current. Apparently he is still in the league okay. with the Eagles now, I guess. He had a four or five year run there where he was quite dominant. Yes.
0: Yes. For um, the Redskins. He, for the Redskins. Yes. Yeah. I think uh, he, for the Washington football team. Yes. Well, at the time <laughs> they were the Redskins. <laughs> So um, <laughs> yes, and there's an interesting connection. Yeah, yeah. To Ryan Kerrigan, would you care to explain that?
1: Yeah, his uh, his little sister played volleyball at Grace. Yeah, back in uh, gosh five years ago, maybe. Yeah,
0: mid- yeah, mid twenty teens kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, and he was on. Um, he was I think on he was, campus. He was on once campus twice. a few times. Yeah. yeah, here to watch his sister.
1: Yeah, to watch his sister. I think he was here for graduation. Obviously. Yeah, you know, May. Not much going on in
0: football. Yeah, I I think they're from. I think. Muncie, maybe, so they're from Indiana was he, he pl- a ball State pl- guy or per- no Purdue? He, he played at Purdue, okay, I think he's from Muncie though, so you know, so it's not crazy that his sister ended up here, yeah, you know, it's not like he grew up in Montana, and you're like, how did she end up there? yeah, you know so and then our Ohio State athlete for the week is uh, Drew Chrisman, who was the punter. Nice. Until just this past year. An excellent punter. He signed a free agent contract with the Bengals hey. in the NFL. Punters don't really get drafted. Punters and kickers don't get drafted.
1: Yeah. Every now and then you see one go in on the draft like, what on
0: Why? Earth is going on? Yeah. 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 feels like those are kind of a dime a dozen. You can pick up a kicker or a punter. Mm-hmm. All right, John. So we've eliminated Dennis Rodman because we've already selected him. Yep. Yep. So that leaves uh, Kevin Green – Sergey Fedorov or Ryan Kerrigan?
1: I'm probably between Sergey Fedorov and Ryan Kerrigan, truthfully speaking. Yeah,
0: I, I'm going to go with Ryan Kerrigan for the Grace connection.
1: I think so. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah, you can call us homers. That's fine. It's free entertainment. If you don't like yeah. it, you know, you're not 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 out of any money. So, okay. One thing you like,
1: John? Um. So Andrea and I got four and a half yards of peat moss delivered to our house on Friday. And I bought a tow-behind basically spreader, and the peat moss did not fit through the spreader. Uh Uh-oh. And so Andrew and I were out there at 5 o'clock on Friday night spreading it uh, by wheelbarrow, (laughs) shovel, and rake. Um, And a couple of neighbors came out and and helped us out, and we got rid of most of the pile uh, by 10 o'clock. Okay. Uh, So my neighbors uh, came through for me big time.
0: Okay. So do – I should, I'm going to ask this question first. Do any of your neighbors listen to the podcast? I don't think so. No. Okay. Because when I saw the show notes and I saw that under on your one thing we liked, you had neighbors. That came right after we Not had right a conversation had <laughs> where you mentioned coming home from a walk with your lovely wife a few nights ago and uh, being greeted by the aroma of some – some illegal – Cannabis. Yeah, yeah. Some illegal uh,
1: <laughs> plant burning.
0: Yeah. So it it just – it made me wonder not having heard this part of the story after hearing we came home and one of our neighbors seemed to have been enjoying – Well, I don't know that. It could have been the people behind us. It could have Still blown Still a neighbor.
1: It. Yeah, yeah. I suppose so. We don't know which neighbor. I, I have no idea which neighbor. OK. If it was a neighbor. It could have been that. I don't know. It could have been anybody.
0: OK. OK. Just – it just struck me as amusing that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'd be the one thing I, mean, I like. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> great to come home to the smell of weed. You know, yeah. just yeah. Some other conversations would take place at that point, probably. For me, uh, yesterday, since we're recording on a Monday afternoon, we had what has become now an annual tradition.
1: Second annual, yeah,
0: yeah, um, food truck Sunday. At our church,, mm-hmm. so we had our uh, worship service outside in the sort of the backyard area, and then, after that, we had four local food trucks come in, and everyone present got a ticket for um for a meal from one of the food trucks mm-hmm. and then there were also two dessert trucks that you got a ticket for as well,
1: so great way to help a small local business, yes. And uh, a, a way to make your people happy because who doesn't love a good food shop? I
0: know. Which one did you have?
1: Uh, I went to the quesadilla one. OK. And got southern pulled pork quesadilla. Yeah. How was that? Uh, and dipped it in barbecue sauce. It, it was divine. OK. Um, now, I will say the bees loved it as well. Yeah.
0: That was a, and, that was a, one of the few drawbacks of yesterday.
1: And did I tell you this? I had a bee land in my barbecue sauce. No, And then it turned over in my barbecue sauce and its wings <laughs> got stuck in the barbecue sauce. I had to flick it out of my barbecue sauce yeah, and stomp on it on the ground. But I, I think it was it – was, I put it out of its misery really. I don't think there's any recovering from no, that for a bee. No,
0: no. Because you would think other bees would just come and probably try to take the sauce off of it. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I had the bison burger. How was that? It was good, very flavorful. Hmm. So I, I very much enjoyed that. Um, and I like this. Before this, we used to do a big church picnic, like a yes. kind of like a potluck, where people would like the church would provide the meat, you know, burgers mm-hmm. and hot dogs and stuff, and then people would bring side dishes and chips and desserts. Um, I think this is better. I think so too. Yeah. I think this is better. Less
1: less organizing, clean up, all those yeah. things. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So it was good. So that was my one thing I liked this week, food, truck,
1: Sunday. Yeah. They've also moved it a little back in the calendar as well. Because if yeah. you remember, the church picnic would always land on the first Sunday of NFL football Yes,
0: every year. And I'd be there for like 20 minutes. I'm like, I got to go. <laughs> well, I remember even before that, that was moved back. They used to do it like mid-August. Ooh. And there were some sweltering, sweltering days. Ooh, that's hot. So, um, yeah, the, the sort of third to fourth week of September is, I think, a sweet spot typically mm-hmm. of the weather. Yeah, so yeah was, I think that's right. So shout out to, uh, to our pastoral staff for, for giving direction to that and all those involved in, in bringing that together. So we've talked how bad the Jets are. Yeah, We've talked that uh, we really don't know if the Buckeyes have actually improved because they played a terrible opponent. We've talked about uh, being uh, the kind of soil that hears the word of God, Mm -hmm. has ears to hear. Uh, We've talked various athletes, including Ryan Kerrigan, whose sister attended here at Grace College and played volleyball. I think married a guy named Sam. Uh, Yeah. Sure. (laughs) I'm just just reaching into the recesses
1: (laughs) of my brain here. Trying to pull things out. Yeah.
0: Okay. And then, of course, we've talked about John's neighbor's from a couple of different perspectives a few different perspectives yeah <laughs> so i think by definition we've covered our various and sundry topics and it's time to call mission accomplished i think so so yep. until next time the lord bless y'all real good later